Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy to use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build a Trend's project management platform for the last five years. And we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build a Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction. And we are on board. To learn more about how Build a Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, Visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build a Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are just a few months away from the Contractors Coalition Summit here in Scottsdale, Arizona. It'll begin on Sunday, May 7th and complete on Wednesday, May 10th. We had two events that were completely sold out last year. The first one in Nashville, second one in Huntington Beach with Nick Schiffer from NS Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style. Again, make sure that you get out to Scottsdale. It's going to be an amazing event. We only have a few seats left, and we're going to be speaking about all things pricing, project management, how to make money inside and outside of your business, You know, contracts, client expectations, building that organization, and again, just the marketing aspect, social media. One of the most amazing values of this conference is not only the content that's produced and a lot of the information that's handed out to those that attend, but also the networking, being there with 30 like-minded builders around the country, being able to have a, someone to contact and reach out to on any questions you have moving forward. It is an amazing event. Hurry and sign up. Again, www.contractorscoalitionsummit.com. We'll see you in May. Looking at it, I've probably worked on over 350 professional athletes in the last 10 years. It's kind of crazy to think that that's how it started, you know, with a a Hall of Fame football player that came in and just said he wanted to get cracked. And had I had just done that, who knows? Who knows what the course of of all this would be at this point? But it really paid off that I was able to introduce him into like my style of care, what I did, and you know, like you said, the preparation met the opportunity, and I've been able to build on that ever since. So, welcome to the AT Construction Podcast, and we have Dr. Brandon Booth with us. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Nice to be here, man. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. So Dr. Brandon Booth, he is the owner of ProCare Spine and Sports Therapy. And uh, I'm actually a customer of yours, which I'm sure we'll get into later. <laughs> so fortunately, you know, we we live by each other and, you know, I have you know, friends through social media, which again, I know we'll get into social media, but again, Instagram is a huge connector. I know that's been big for your business. And uh, we're both in this world. We're trying to set ourselves apart with, you know, I know for you, especially Brandon, I mean, you're doing using technology and systems that competitors are. So, you know, how did you get into that space? Just, you know, trying to set yourself apart from the competition. Yeah, I think um, really just trying to find, you know, or, or kind of when I started back in my business and, and with my profession and kind of knowing what I wanted to do, um, just setting myself apart more from the preparation standpoint, you know, um, you know, you kind of naturally build and figure out a way to, um, sorry, I'm, <laughs> no, it makes sense. I got, I got lost there. Is that going to be, no. is that going to be, is this going to be in there? No, we'll have them take that out there a minute. But if I interrupt you right now, Brandon, so what's interesting is you mentioned preparation. What's interesting, taking this tangent here, if you will, it's one thing to say, okay, Brandon, I'm in a highly competitive space of the chiropractic world, you know, spine, uh, the medical field. It's one thing to say I can take the analogy of technology or innovation, but preparation is unique. I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and I've never heard the term preparation, but if you apply that to any business or my business, if I'm prepared as a business owner with systems, organization, naturally, as you mentioned, you're going to escalate to the next level of innovation and product and things that you can implement with your patients and clientele, but essentially the preparation, the organization, that's what's going to attract customers and essentially build success to your business. 
Exactly. I mean, you have to be prepared. And, um, you know, you mentioned success. And I like that quote, success is where preparation meets opportunity. Um, You know, I, I think that if you're prepared and you get the right opportunity, then, um, you know, you, you can build a relationship of trust. You can, you can grow, you can, you can build a network of referrals and that's where that's, that success comes in, but you got to be prepared. You got to have a niche. You have to, you have to be different, you know, than your average, I don't want to say average competitor, but than others, right. You have to set yourself apart. And, um, that, in my opinion, that comes with kind of who you are as an individual personality, but then also how you prepare yourself and what, you know, how you differentiate yourself from, from other people in my, in my, in my profession, like other practitioners, you know, and I'm not saying that what I do is necessarily better than other people. It's just, it's, it's, it's a certain way. And I approach things a certain way. And it's, I have kind of, like you said, my, my own systems um, that have proven to be effective. And so when you find those systems and you kind of combine that with your preparation, then the success really um, tends to, to be there Um, in my, in my specific field that results of getting people better fast, right. Or, or, or better in a timely manner so they can be able to perform um, in a, you know, faster than normal if they're injured. Right. It's interesting. The quote, I'm going to go back to that. I actually wrote that down because you said success is where preparation meets opportunity. I love that for a lot of reasons. You know, I, as you speak to entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you'll test to this, Brandon, because you work with a ton of athletes, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said that, you know, a lot of us understand the term on, you know, better lucky than good, right? It's, it's for sure in golf and even business, you know, better lucky than good. But the reality is, you know, a lot of successful people will attribute, maybe it is luck, maybe it's opportunity or certain doors are opened, but there, there's something unique where you have to be ready to, op, you know, seize that opportunity, right? So, and this goes back to really the core of what you're discussing is that, yeah, we make our own luck. A lot of people say, I make my own luck. I'm lucky, but I make my own luck. And the reason being they're prepared, they're, they're vigilant. They have a plan. They have a game plan. They have a direction. They may not be there yet, but they understand where they're going. And, you know, so when that door's opened, if you're prepared, if you're ready, if you have systems and education and all these things in line, you can kick the door down and then that opportunity is there. And now you can essentially seize the moment. Yeah, I mean, I knew, you know, I knew to your point, I knew that, you know, when, before I even got into this, what I what I wanted to do and how I wanted to approach it, I was prepared. Um, and obviously continuing to learn and grow and, and you know, kind of, you know, um, push your mind and, and keep keep kind of expanding and, and, and those things. But um, I was definitely, I had that foundation. And with, you know, because I had that foundation and I had the goals that I had set, uh, when that opportunity came up, the preparation was there. And, you know, looking back 10 years ago, um, you know, when I first worked on my, you know, the very first pro athlete came into my office, like, am I a better practitioner now than I was 10 years ago? Absolutely. You know, because over time you, you tend to learn and you tend to grow as a, as a professional, as an entrepreneur. Um, but at that point I was, you know, I, I felt like I had prepared myself to treat the athlete, to treat the active individual, to, to work in that environment, you know, that I just had to kind of let things happen to where the opportunity presented itself. Let me ask you this. Um, especially coming from the medical field, I think something that's unique as I've worked, you know, either for clients that are in the medical field, someone such as yourself, I think what really sets you apart is this bedside manner, right? And, and you have this cadence, you have this communication, there's a temperament. Uh, it's really important in management, you know, for us, you know, we manage projects and customers. And so having the right people that have good temperament, good communication, bedside manners, essentially in the medical field, what do you attribute to that? How did you learn that skill? Just the calming influence to say, hey, you know, I understand you're in a lot of pain, but we're going to get you here and to just set that expectation. And again, you know, a lot of the malpractices because they don't like their doctor, right? It's, you know, so that bedside manner is just absolutely key. 
Yeah, you know, I, I had a great example. You know, my dad was a dentist, and so watching him growing up and seeing how he interacted with his patients was was huge for me. Um, I knew that, you know, patient satisfaction is extremely important. You know, I'm, you know, for me personally, I'm dealing with people in pain every day. And so, you know, you get an injury from an athlete or you get an injury, um, a low back injury, you get a shoulder injury. You know, people don't like to be in pain. They need to be out of pain. And so you try to give them, you know, the tools that they can do on their own, but then also in the office, having that bedside manner, um, you know, comforting, not really comforting, but like giving them a level of comfort to know like, hey, this is what we're going to do to, tr- we're going to give you this time frame. You know, you go to, I'm a chiropractor, but most people, they kind of, you know, they, they wouldn't really consider me as a chiropractor, but I, you know, I, cause I do dry needling, I do sports therapy, I do that stuff, but giving, giving the patient an appropriate time frame and saying, Hey, we're going to work on you, you know, three to five times and see if we can fix your issue, you know, so that you're, you're building that trust in the patient, but then also being, having them be confident in what you're doing and having them, cause there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot in the patient coming because a lot of patients, honestly, I get patients that have seen multiple chiropractors that have seen multiple physical therapists and, you know, it's, it's saying, okay, like let's, let's evaluate you. Let's figure out your problem and then let's get after it and let's figure this out together. I'm going to give you the appropriate tools, but you know, you're going to be doing probably 75 to 80% of the work on your own. And a lot of practitioners don't really do that. They want you to, especially chiropractors, they want you to come in all the time, get adjusted, get adjusted, get adjusted. Right. And that's, that's completely the opposite of how I practice. But going back to the bedside manner question, I just think, you know, people need to feel that you care. And really that's the foundation, right? I mean, if a patient feels that you're going to help them and you're, and and, and there's, there's a level of, um, you know, you can feel that when you're with somebody and, you know, it's, it's, if you care about what you're doing and you care about the patient and they're invested in what you're, you know, in, in, in your plan and you're invested in getting them better fast, I think, you know, overall it's, it just ends up lending to good results. You know, there, there it could be some placebo effect, but honestly, I think just there's that mutual, um, uh, the, the, that mutual, I guess, ability to to help them to heal, but then they're also helping themselves heal. So I, I think the the bedside manner is extremely important, and I think a lot of people are looking for individuals that, especially practitioners that that really care and that really want to help them. I, I love that you shared that. I mean, the bedside manner. There's so much application to me, right? Because I'm going through this now, just how it relates to my field, you know, that's a little bit different for you. It's when someone knows you care as a practitioner and they're coming in, as you mentioned, they've been to multiple specialists. Same for me. I went to multiple specialists. I go to Brandon and bam, we're, we're, we're doing awesome, right? There's a huge change there, but I knew that there was an optimism. There was, you know, you actually cared. I felt like there was a connection there. I'm going through this process right now. We have a client, we're going through the bidding process, you know, pricing's high, inflation's high, building costs are high. And, it's easy for things to get out of context or escalate. And when the client knows you care that you're looking at the same goal and there may be some optics, there may be some other communication, but it really comes down to, there's a connection. If they know that we care and that we're trying to look out for the client and protect their investment and stretch a dollar, as we say, there is a trust that's built. And you, once you lose that, you can't get it back. And I'm sure it's the same for you that, I mean, that trust is so key for the client to trust you Brandon, to come in and say, I trust you. And then when you get to that moment, you can really be successful in your preparation and performance and what you bring to the table. Yeah. And that, that's hundred percent true. And that, you know, that all foundationally starts with your confidence and your ability and what you do and provide as a, you know, in your case with what you do with construction and what I do as a practitioner, there's a level of confidence there. Um, but then also building that relationship of trust and, 
and um, it just tends to lend for good results. So tipping point, you mentioned that you had your first athlete. How did that introduction come? And then how did you build off of that? Again, door opens and, you know, you, you definitely take advantage. Yeah. I mean, I'll try to, I'll try not to like mention a lot of names just because just to protect the athletes, um, privacy, but I had an athlete come in and he was a referral. I was working in a gym, um, in Scottsdale and it was a referral from a colleague of mine that was training a naturopath that he had been, uh, that he had been, that she had been working with him for a number of years. And, you know, I was the new chiropractor in the gym and, um, obviously I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm six, eight, you know, I've got pretty big stature. So a lot, you know, this athlete, strong athlete. And, uh, you know, so I was introduced to this guy and, and, uh, ended up working on him and, uh, you know, came into this small gym where I was in a small room with a portable table didn't really have a lot of tools other than my hands and a couple of other things, you know, and just kind of against this within the first year, I think I was in Scottsdale end of the first year I was in practice and, um, you know, he, he sits down on my table and, you know, this guy's pretty, pretty serious guy. Like he, you know, if you, if you know who he is as a player, you know, he's a rip your head off type of defensive player, you know? And so he sits on my table, sits down on my table and doesn't really say much and kind of puts his head down. And I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be interesting, right? This is a, <laughs> this is a, this guy's a monster on the field. And, um, you know, I asked him, you know, what, what we wanted to accomplish today. And he's like, I just want to get my, I just want to get cracked is what he said. <laughs> and if you know me and how I practice, like, yeah. The cracking portion of what I do is, is I don't want to so say, minimal. I don't want to say it's completely minimal, but it's a, it's a, it's a tool, not my toolbox, right? A lot of chiropractors, you go see them, it's their toolbox. You go in, you, you know, you get adjusted. They might hook you up on STEM, you know, they might do a little bit of stretch. They might have someone else do soft tissue. Um, so I had to, you know, I had to kind of explain to him what I did. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, after working with him a number of times, we were able to, to help him with some, like a shoulder injury that he had and some things that he wasn't even expecting that, you know, he was expecting to come in and get adjusted where, you know, I kind of showed him how I practice and what I did to some soft tissue, manual therapy and, um, adjusted him as well. Cause that's what he was looking for as well. But was able to kind of introduce to him how I practiced without him really even knowing. And then, you know, after he came in, things just start to re- started to really, um, started to really, uh, you know, build on themselves referrals. And, and that was kind of the beginning. And that was probably, gosh, like almost 10 years ago now. So not too long, but then also, you know, I mean, looking at it, I've probably worked on, I'm thinking like now over 350 professional athletes in the last 10 years. It's kind of crazy to think that that's how it started, you know, with a, with a, a hall of fame football player that came in and just said he wanted to get cracked, you know, <laughs> and had I had just done that, who knows, who knows what the course of, of all this would be at this point. But um, it really paid off that I was able to introduce him into like my style of care, what I did. And, and, um, and it just, you know, like you said, the preparation met the opportunity and, you know, I was able to, I've been able to build on that ever since. Well, it's funny. I mean, you say this lightly, like, Hey, it's 350 athletes, you know, professional, but I mean, you've had Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, you've posted that on your Instagram, so I'm sure we could do yeah. his name. I mean, you had Shaq come out there in the Super Bowl. you know, how does it escalate to that where now you have this network of confidence, right? That you've built and you have a celebrity and athlete such as Shaq that's coming in that, uh, you know, you're a big guy for those that I know it's video. They probably can't tell, but Dr. Brandon Booth's a pretty big guy, but you know, Shaq's <laughs> a different level. So Shaq is a different level. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you just, you build, you build this trust, um, with, with these different athletes. I mean, the, the athlete world is very, um, tight tight knit, 
right? Like it takes one thing to get an opportunity in that world. It take, it's a whole nother um, to, to stay in that world. You know, if, if you want to, if you're consistently staying in that world, then, you know, there's a level of trust that you've created with these different athletes. Right. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll just happen to get a phone call from, you know, somebody like, you know, and Shaq, Shaq is, um, is, uh, is a different, you know, he's a, he's a very well-known, you know, world-renowned athlete. And he happened to kind of, he was referred to me by a patient who does, um, uh, sports memorabilia stuff with him. And so he's created this trust with him that way and then ended up, um, linking, linking us up together and ended up working on him. And, you know, I thought I'd feel really small next to Shaq. And I actually, he kept asking me like, man, like you're, you're a big dude. He's, he's <laughs> he was asking me what I did, you know, which was kind of, which was kind of cool, but just a really nice guy. Um, was able to help him with a few things. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this, this last couple of weeks, I've gotten a few phone calls from a couple of other you know, elite high level athletes. And I, and honestly, it doesn't matter the name or the individual to me. It's just, it's, it's all, you know, these, these are people, um, and they're great. They're great people like you and I, they're just highly, highly skilled, not just, they're very highly skilled at what they do in their field. Right. And so, um, but people tend to get really pretty excited about some of that stuff and, but they're just, you know, like Shaq was just, he's just a really nice guy, you know? So let me ask you this, because as, as it applies to me, I've looked at, you know, there's certain builders and we've been fortunate to do some projects that are building science, right? We were fortunate to, to do a net zero home, which is state of the art construction and essentially off the grid. And to your point, as you're prepared and these opportunities come up and you can go after them, you know, it's, it's really important for us in our industry to continue to seek better construction methods and better techniques and better processes, right? And, and products that are on the market. For you, you have to also continue to do the same. You may already have a good understanding of what your clients need to help them get out of pain as they come in. And that's why you built the reputation. Explain like dry needling. What's that like? How did you understand to do that? And some of the other techniques, maybe you don't have to get into too specific, but yeah. you're doing things, as you mentioned, people assume chiropractic because you're going in and getting cracked. And that's rarely just, again, a plug. When I went in for the first time, you didn't even crack me the first time. And I was in there for about an hour and it yeah. felt totally different leaving. And so how did you get exposed to just different methods, which you're getting away from the norm now of your industry and it's hard in construction to get away from the norm. It's hard in the medical field as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, for me, it just, a lot of it just makes sense, right? I mean, I'm looking for the best treatment modalities to help the athletes and my patients get better fast. And, um, you know, I'm exposed to a lot of different modalities, maybe that, the general population in my profession isn't, or, or, you know, maybe they don't want to do the soft tissue work, or maybe they don't want to learn how to do dry needling. Um, my education had prepared me, you know, very, uh, very good understanding of the human anatomy, musculoskeletal system, right? So, you know, I didn't have to take years of dry needling. I was able to take a, a certification course because I understood the musculoskeletal system, the anatomy of the body, right? Where things were, where nerves are, what you're trying to avoid, what what you're trying to, you know, working on tendons, working on muscles, that type of thing. Um, and so it just made a lot of sense to me from a rehab standpoint as an ex-athlete myself um, to really hone in on what therapies were going to help the athletes heal. And dry needling in particular is a really cool therapy. It's very effective. Um, you know, a lot of people are resistant to it because they're not super excited about needles. Um, shouldn't be really painful. A lot of people come into me, a lot of athletes come into me and they're like, man, doc, like you're dry needling. It doesn't really hurt that much, or it's not that painful or, you know, and I don't know, really, I'm just doing what I was taught. You know, I'm sure you kind of learn different skill sets and what not to do and what to do when you're doing things. But, um, really the dry needling when I learned that I could stick a needle into a, a patient in an area and what the human body does in response to that, which is basically sends in a, just flushes out the inflammation and helps heal, 
heal things faster. It just kind of creates a some micro trauma in the body to help the body heal fast. You know, it's a no brainer. You have you have a sprained ankle. I'm going to drop a bunch of needles in there and help the body. And it, and some and inflammation. I don't want to make inflammation sound like it's bad because it's not. I mean, it's the way our body heals itself. But too much inflammation too long is going to irritate tissue, right? That's what causes pain, right? Like low back pain is a lot of times is caused by inflammation of the tissue, of the surrounding bony area, disc, stuff like that. And so the needle needling has allowed me to, you know, it's not, I don't do it on every patient, but if it's, if it's warranted, I'm going to drop some needles and hundred percent, it's always going to end up helping the patient heal fast. And my kind of my uh, philosophy from day one has been to, like I told you before, like we talked about, like, let's get you feeling better fast. Most people, therapists want you to come in forever, you know, and that's, you know, I think I worked on you maybe what, three times? Three yeah, or four times. that's it. <laughs> and, you know, and, and that was the goal, right? Let's see if we can get the inflammation down. I'm going to needle you. I'm going to do soft tissue. You know, let's maybe hold off on the adjustment because the inflammation was there too much and then kind of go from there. But, but I'm constantly, as I sure, I'm sure you are as well, trying to figure out, okay, how do I make myself better at what I do? always constantly trying to do these, you know, cutting edge treatments. I just recently added a machine. Did I, did I use the Indiba machine on you? I think I did. Uh -uh. Or or actually you did. Yes, you did. Yes. I I just got this machine, the Indiba from Spain. That's that's the heat, the heat one, right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. It stimulates, it stimulates mesenchymal stem cells. It sits at a frequency of 448 Hertz. And while that's over the tissue, it's actually stimulating mesenchymal stem cells in your body that you already have in there to start healing up that area. And so for me, it's like, okay, stem cells, like stem cells are cutting edge, right? I mean, you, people are going to Colombia, they're going to the DR, they're going to Mexico to get this influx of, you know, paying, you know, tons of money to do the stem cell treatments, which I think are, are very effective by the way. Um, and, I was able to get a machine that, that, you know, has a similar effect, but without doing injections, I can do it with a machine and, and I'm seeing great results with this machine too. So it's, to me, it's, you know, you're around, I'm fortunate enough to be around kind of the best athletes and the best uh, treatments in the world. But when I see something that makes sense to me, that is going to help a patient or an athlete, um, you, you know, improve and get better fast then, you know, to me, that makes sense. Dry needling to me was an addition to what I, you know, uh, to what I uh, had learned in school. And then obviously this machine and I've added the hyperbaric chamber, which is a great tool for oxygenation of the cells. It helps regenerate tissue. It helps, you know, there's a number, there's, there's a laundry list of things that oxygen does for your body. And, you know, I've got the, I've got the hyperbaric now. And so it's, um, well, as they, as they mentioned, if I interrupt you, Brandon, there, what's interesting about the hyperbaric, not to deviate too much, but my understanding, especially if someone's been through surgery, um, you know, cuts, you know, stitches, that oxygen being in the hyperbaric chamber, how quick it accelerates the cell growth and, and the cure time is so much faster. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. And my patients have been and the athletes that have been using it have been getting great results from it. So to me, it's, it's finding what... The, is the modality going to help the athlete, going to help the patient, you know, heal from injuries from the past season or, or heal from, you know, injuries that I'm really just treating in my clinic, which, you know, I'm seeing every day. So just whatever I can do to get people better in a timely manner. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. 
over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. So let me ask you this maybe before leading into the other conversation, because I want to talk about the cure time for your clients and how just your methodology to that. But with the hyperbaric, for someone listening that may not be familiar, maybe explain what the hyperbaric chamber is. And and again, we kind of touched on that, you know, especially if there's, you know, cuts and stuff, it can help. How does it help for your clientele with tissue repair? I mean, benefits, do you recommend the hyperbaric just in general? You know, if some, should someone do that? How does that benefit the human body? I mean, you if you research the hyperbaric chamber, you're going to get, it's almost like a magical or it just it, it just it does so much for the people using it, right? I mean, you can stroke victims can use it. Uh, cancer, it, you know, there's research on it that it's, it kills cancer cells. So people that are receiving chemo and different things are also using the hyperbaric chamber to help, you know. And, and obviously, I would contact your doctor and make sure that they would be on board with that, with the chemo and stuff like that. But you're getting, you know, cancer patients using it. You're getting ex-stroke patients using it. You're getting, um, um, you know, like you said, like uh, surgical, like uh, like infection. It heals infection faster. And essentially what it's doing is just infiltrating your body's cells with a ton of oxygen. And that's how our body heals, right? With, uh, you know, with the oxygen we breathe. So it the chamber itself, it's, you know... Um, creates like a high altitude pressure and you're getting uh the oxygen from that and then you're also getting oxygen uh purified oxygen from a oxygen concentrator that basically it it filters out all the other stuff in the air and just gives you just pumps in really strong you know solid amount of oxygen in your body and most people they have a hard time really explaining what it feels like when they're done but they just get out and they feel amazing you know, and it's not like that for everybody, but I, I do think that, um, you know, when you use it, so really anybody can benefit from it. Um, I heard recently that one of my patients, uh, they have a friend that's been using it for their child who has autism. They bought one, yeah. right? And they're noticing a huge change in their child's autism. So I don't, you know, I don't ever, when somebody comes into me, I'm using it more for, you know, um, injuries, tissue injury, you know, if you get the benefit of sleep, I mean, it can help with sleep. It can help with insomnia. It can help, you know, but for me in particular, I'm using it for that. And, but there's a whole laundry list of things that it's good for. Well, I think what's interesting, you made a comment that, you know, your goal is to get patients in there and in and out quickly. And I would imagine there has to be some sort of ethos or methodology because what's tough for you in your line of work is that all of us understand there's, there's a cost, right? The client acquisition cost, right? As they find clients, you know, there's, you have to retain them. And, you know, we look at this, you know, as we're acquiring, you know, clients, you know, making sure to find the ideal client for our projects. You're finding someone who may come in twice and you've healed them. They may come in four times. Some may be a little bit longer, depending on the injury. How does that work just mentally knowing that you're going to heal someone and now you're back to the grind? You know, is there like a mentality of abundance as opposed to scarcity? How does <laughs> You know, how does that work for you internally just with your profession? You would think that it wouldn't be a positive thing. But for me, it's always been a positive thing. My patient retention has got to be, you know, at least 85, 85, 90% of the patients I see. And the reason being is, A, you talked about bedside manner. You talked about trust. And then there's a plan. And then, you know, let's, let's stick to that plan and let's go. And if that plan doesn't work, we may need to refer you out. We may need to 
try something else. We're not going to keep trying the same thing over and over again. It's not working. And so trust, um, you know, result driven care. And then a lot of people would think like that's the worst business model because you have a client coming in two to four times, but you, I mean, I worked on you three or four times. Like, you know, you're going to tell people about that. Yeah. hundred percent. To me, that is instant referral. And to me, there's no greater, you know, you know that there's no greater thing than a, no greater, um, you know, nothing a patient can do for you uh, greater than a a referral. Right. And so just today, before I got on on this uh, podcast with you, I had an NHL guy who they had, he has this 30 year friend who reached out to me and, you know, he, they were just talking and, you know, I just set her up for an appointment right before I got on this. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's the level of care, the le- the level of uh, care that you provide for the individual. And then it ends up paying itself back tenfold, you know, like I, I haven't, you know, and I, I, I hate to, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I haven't done, and I really haven't had to do a lot of marketing because, because of the way that, I've helped people get better. And if you fix somebody, something on someone that other people haven't fixed, man, they'll tell the world about you, you know? So, you know, I, will I need to do marketing someday? Absolutely. Um, You know, as I grow and and add maybe other practitioners and things like that. But um, up until this point, like it's been getting people better fast has been the best thing that I could ever encourage people to do in my field because you're getting results and people want results and they're going to talk about you once you get results. It's a, it, the, the mentality right there of result oriented, right? And it's funny because I, again, I won't name him, but we have a mutual friend, mutual client mine that actually sees you yeah. come a small world, how this happens. And what's interesting is I had worked with him and his family for it had been like 14 months of pre-construction and because of the schedule, you know, sports, like, you know, it's, it took a little bit longer just because accessibility. But I, I, I do remember when it came time to start and I was super excited. We had put a lot of time in this project and I just looked at him and I said, client X, you know, I, I think you're making the wrong investment. You're putting a lot of money. This is not the best neighborhood at the end of the day. It's just not going to be great for you and your family. And it was interesting because, he didn't do it. I didn't get the job. And, but I created, um, you know, a, essentially a friend or a trusted ally for life who now has referred me to others. And funnily enough, he fast forward three years and here we are doing a project for him. And so to your point, I think it's interesting that when you have this mentality that if, if you're looking for the best interest of the client, like you mentioned early on, and it pays itself, I, I, you know, I've had two people that will be reaching out to you, Brandon, you know, Dr. Booth. And I said, go to him. like, it's game changer. And so, there is this understanding that, you know, you do the right thing, you, you're, you're prepared, you're looking for new te- technology and it pays itself forward. Absolutely. So from your side, Brandon, looking back now, of course, it, it's really easy to look back and say, well, I wouldn't have changed anything, but what advice would you give to your younger self, especially, you know, starting in the career path you did? Man, uh, you know, you always look back and you think you could do things different. I'm, I'm trying to think of what really I would tell my younger self. I, I think just, you know, that's a tough question. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure how to answer that one. Um, I mean, you've been pretty fortunate, Brandon, that you've kind of taken a different path from like traditional sports therapy, chiropractic. Uh, you know, would there be a different way? to maybe accelerate your growth? Would there be a different way to market your business? Is there a different way that maybe you could have, um, you know, network different, open your own office, you know, as you look where you're now, or, or maybe it's better this way. If, if there's a young person starting their own company, right? Their yeah. own therapy business, what would you advise to them to start building a book of business, to start building clientele and an organization? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking back, you know, if I would have started over again, I would have started the same way. You know, I would have started out pretty small and then kind of grown as I've, you know, um, 
as you build a network with different people and you build a relationship of trust with different um, clients and stuff like that. Um, you know, maybe along the lines, maybe would have maybe hired somebody a little bit earlier to help out just because, you know, burnout can be real. And when you're doing everything, I've been doing everything by myself as a lone wolf for, you know, all this time. So answering the phones and, you know, uh, scheduling, I mean, all that stuff. I think if I would have done it over again, I probably would have added more help initially, you know, as, as I was going, but, but then also you have to look at it and say, okay, like, you know, what kind of, what's your overhead going to be? And, you know, can you afford to pay that person? And how does that kind of factor into what you're doing? And so I'm kind of going through that in a little bit of a later stage. Like I haven't, I'm kind of in the process now of hopefully trying to build that out, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's what I would have done different. Um, I don't, you know, it's, so maybe what about now? How does that look like now? Because I, I would imagine, I mean, again, the bedside <laughs> manner, the preparation, the skill set you have, how does this look for your business as scaling and maybe even now hiring where you're thinking, can I take some off my plate so that maybe I have a little bit more time or I could see more patients, you know, how does that look? Yeah, it's tough because you're always adding people into an environment that you've kind of created, right? So in order to grow and scale, you have to, there's a lot of training that has to happen. You have to hire the right person. And so for me, it's just trying to find people that are going to, I guess, buy into the vision that I've created and the philosophy I've created in this practice. Um, so it's not easy, you know, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, any re recommendations there would be greatly appreciated, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm going through that process right now and it's, it's kind of a, you know, just trying to figure out the right way to do that. But, um, you know, you, you want people to come in and, and be able to build on what you've created, right. And step in. And that takes time a lot of times, right. You, you know, a new practitioner, They've got to be willing to want to learn and to, uh, you know, what figure out the the philosophy and they'll, they'll add probably something great to what I've already created. But um, it's 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 a it's a growing process and you know maybe looking back I wish I would have done it a little bit earlier just to take some um, some of the minutia off my plate. But I've done it for so long now that I'm kind of you know, I, I've, I've figured out how to do it, but then also from a time perspective, you know, not having as much time, I'm pretty tied to this, you know, I am the practitioner, so I'm constantly, you know, doing the work and which is great. I love it, but you know, you need to, to grow and to accommodate more people you have to be able to hire. Right. And so, you know, figuring out the right way to bring somebody on and train them appropriately um, you know, I, I guess just takes a little bit of time to find the right person, but you know, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the challenge. So, so let me ask you this with, you know, any business, right? A big part of it logistically is understanding how do I bill, you know, collect, am I pricing accordingly? Am I within market or have I created a brand where I can maybe charge over the market for me as a builder? I think one of my biggest struggles early on was understanding, how to price a job, how to communicate that with the client, set that expectation, you know, understand, you know, burden rates and overhead for my employees and how that plays in the consideration of every project. Fortunately, you know, I have a mentor group. I have other builders, a builder 20 that I can confide in and understand how they've been pricing and they've built their businesses. And so there's a lot of advice, right? Have you had mentors or how did you figure out that structurally to just understand, am I charging what I'm worth? Am I charging market value? Am I over that because I offer different services? You know, just fine tuning the financial aspect without getting specific numbers, but just as an overall context of the company. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when I started, I mean, it's it's hard to really know what you're worth, right? I mean, when you start. And I remember I had the very first athlete that asked me to fly and travel to work on him in Detroit. Right. Right. And I'm like, okay, how does <laughs> how's this how's this gonna work out? You know, like that's a full day or probably maybe even a day and a half or two days I'm going to miss from my office, you know? And so the guy that I was working 
um, at the time was working, kind of working for, but working in his facility and working on a lot of these athletes where I met a lot of these uh, offensive linemen. I had basically, um, you know, asked him, because he, he had been a professional athlete, like, what does that look like? I mean, what, how do you put a number or a value on missing that much work, flying across the country, different time zones? And, and so it was a really a, it was a learning curve for me with that, especially, um, because obviously it's going to be a little bit more expensive to, you know, take me out of my office away from from that and, you know, to work on somebody like to fly to a specific location and do that. But, uh, but yeah, I just kind of, you know, I, I, I just kind of looked at the market and I figured, you know, I would try to try to be as fair as possible with, you know, the type of therapy that I provided and the amount of time I spent with the patient and um, I've just kind of, you know, built on that, as time has gone on, I mean, the first time I raised my prices was maybe like, you know, four or five years ago. So, you know, six, six years into practice on my own. And then, um, so yeah, it's, it's not to me, obviously you have to make money. I mean, I, I work to provide for my family and to, to give them opportunities to do things. And, um, and obviously, you know, when you run a business, but, Again, going back to the foundation of, um, you know, foundation of, of, of helping in my business, helping people and letting that kind of drive the monetary aspect of it, if that makes sense. Like, like you know, when, when people know they're, they're going to get a good product when they come in and see you or when they're, you know, whatever they're going to get, like they're willing to pay for that when they when they know that, Hey, this guy's really invested in me. He's really gonna, he's really gonna help me. And he's not going to have me come in for the rest of my life three times a week. And just to come in and, and, and pay me all this money. Like, you know, how often do I hear people come to me and say, Hey, I just signed up for this six month deal with a chiropractor. I paid them $4,000 out of pocket. They gave me this huge, you know, sheet that shows me all this, this huge deal I'm getting for paying them $4,000 out of pocket. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, man, like, and, and then they say, I can come into it as much as I want, like three or four times a week. And like, how are you teaching anybody? How, how are you, how are you helping people that way? In the end, don't you want to help people help themselves? Like, so, you know, that whole model and mindset has really allowed me to, you know, spend more time with a patient, maybe charge a little bit more than your average chiropractor, but then you're giving them a really good surface and you're getting great results. So, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is essentially you're saying when I provide value and when I started providing value, right, that's when the clients, people are willing to pay for value. And it means different things in different industries for you. Hey, there, there's, definitely sophistication of the product you're offering for people to get pain free and they will pay for that. Right. But so many times and maybe social media is the cause of this. I think a lot of us, you know, we're ambitious, especially entrepreneurs. We want to get out and Hey, I'm, I, I want to make money. I want to make money or whatever it is, whether it's the, whatever your goals are, support your family or personal, whatever it is. But the reality is, as you mentioned, there, there's a timeline here that it, it took you years to raise prices because you're creating value. And once you got to that point, then, you know, you can capitalize, but it's the long game. You're not in the short game. You're in the long game and, and building the business and building the reputation, understanding what someone would pay for you to travel is interesting. Cause I always have heard the analogy and I'll, you know, are, are you running a table at the restaurant or are you running the restaurant? Right. And there's a big difference there that you know, if, if they're running a table at the restaurant, yeah, they're going to get a discount, but they're only going to get a limited part of Dr. Brandon. If someone's flying you to Detroit, your whole book of business changed, they're running the restaurant. Yeah. And so you have to understand, you know, the demand of that client, having that client there, that's a great opportunity again, but there's an opportunity cost. And so again, how did that mentor or peer help you to just 
facilitate what that cost would be in transition. And I'm sure you've had more of those opportunities over the years. And just to make sure that it works for all your clientele as, as well as the one that's asking. Yeah. I mean, and again, it, it's, it takes time to really, you know, like, what are you worth in that situation? How do you figure that out? You know, and, um, and that's also taken some time, but I've, I've traveled a lot over the last, I, mean, I don't even know how many times. I mean, there was, there were some seasons where I was, I was, I was on like, you know, 60 flights, you know, I was just kind of bouncing around the country. I'd have like three, three guys that I go like see in, in a week, you know, I'd fly from Chicago to DC to Buffalo, you know, sometimes in a week. And that, that's draining. A lot of people think, man, that's so cool. And, and, and it, it, you know, being six, eight and flying is not, you know, <laughs> but you know, you, you just it kind of, that's just kind of how it worked out. And so from a cost perspective, you know, you hear different numbers and different things and you, you, you know, you, you try to figure out, okay, like, you know, you got to make it worth your time um, and energy because it does take a lot of time and energy. I mean, some days I'd fly, you know, I would fly out to Buffalo sometimes on a Friday morning and leave at five, get there, probably end up there like around three, work on the athlete at five, eat, you know, for work on the athlete from five to seven, uh, maybe work on a couple athletes sometimes, and then, you know, have dinner, go to bed, wake up the next morning and fly back so I could, <clears throat> so I can <clears throat> see my kids' games and be back in, be back in Arizona on a Saturday morning, you know, mid-morning, mid like at 10, 30, 11. So it's, you know, a 36-hour turnaround flying all the way, I mean, New York is the furthest place to fly from Arizona, pretty much like East coast. Right. I was, I was doing that weekly, um, you know, and I, you know, just absolutely spent I mean, all the energy it takes, but you know, when you're doing stuff like that, the, the athlete understands like, okay, this is good. You know, I'm running out the restaurant, like you said, like, you know, I've got to, I've got to, you know, make that. So, you know, from a cost for, you know, from a, the energy to do that can be <clears throat> pretty costly, um, but also, you know, uh, from a monetary standpoint, it can be pretty lucrative doing that because the athlete understands like, hey, I'm taking this practitioner away from, you know, maybe their family or, you know, I've had athletes sometimes go, you know, does your family have stuff going on this weekend or, you know, like, and they're, you know, they're, they're human beings, so they're, they're aware of that stuff too, but. But, you know, from a from a price point, it definitely took time to to build up to that. But, you know, when you create that, um, when you have a good, I guess, reputation and and there's some trust there, like, you know, they, you know, you definitely if they're if they want to fly you out, they'll pay you. And if they don't, they won't, you know, and that's OK. And you kind of set a price point where where they can make that decision. So what, what advice would you give, especially to listeners we have, you know, a lot of them may be architects, designers and, you know, managers that may be at a desk a lot, you know, during the day on a computer, you know, there, there may be some that are in the field doing hard labor and labor and construction as people age, um, just advice, you know, care of your body, things you should look out for, you know, how that changes as you age, you know, in the gym, even and, and physical activity, just to be cautious of, of your back and other you know, I, I just say that because I saw how the back, you know, so detrimental to me for for that time frame when I was seeing you, Dr. Brandon. So, you know, advice you have for those that, you know, in professions that can be, you know, grinding on the human body. Yeah, I mean, the number one thing really is to move, stay active, you know, stay strong. Like, you know, um, the number one thing you can do for yourself is create a, a level of strength that if something does pop up, which I'm not saying it won't. But, you know, like Brad, I see you in the gym often, you're, you're, you're active, you're, you know, like the fact that you're physically strong helps your recovery process, right? So if something does pop up, right, um, your body's going to heal a lot faster if you're staying active. And, and, I, and I do believe that that's strength and, you know, glute strength, um, hamstring strength, posterior chain strength, which is kind of the back part of your your body, calves, hamstrings, glutes, lower back, um, core, um, moving, you know, drink a lot of water, staying, 
staying as active as possible, you know, like, I mean, you can pay attention to posture. Chiropractors talk about posture until, you know, you're, they, that's, they always talk about posture, chiropractors, you know, and is there a, a specific posture that's, you know, great for everyone? That's for a different conversation, but um, just staying active and moving and, and taking care of your body. And, you know, for me, <clears throat> nutrition's always been a bit of a struggle. So like, you know, trying to eat. I, I was going to ask you about that. Like how does nutrition play a role? I mean, it's huge. Like getting the appropriate macros, protein, you know, my, I'm not a nutritionist. My buddy, uh, Ben Brown would probably be a good person to ask these questions too. But, you know, just, you know, getting the appropriate amount of protein and, and, and carbs and, and, uh, and fat and good fats, you know, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm the, <laughs> I'm the expert on nutrition because I'm not, and I'll be the first <laughs> one to say it. But, you know, I think, I think just, I think moving and, and, and continuing to work on your strength as you get older um, is, is, is the key to longevity and, and really healing faster from injuries and, um, I guess being happier overall too. It's interesting. So what do you have any stresses? What keeps you up at night as a business owner? You know, maybe it's family, kids, you know, I know you have kids that are getting older. I mean, what are those things that, you know, that, that give you anxiety? Man, what doesn't give me anxiety? Brad? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I just, I'm a, I'm a normal person, man. I mean, I get anxiety from family stuff and, you know, business. And I mean, I think the reality is one of the things I've noticed, especially after COVID is, you know, anxiety. I was just telling a patient today, but I'm seeing a lot of, ever since 2020, like the anxiety and the depression has like shot through the roof. And I think that we need to really take care of ourselves that way. You know, social media is going to give you, you know, one viewpoint of how everyone's doing, which is success, right? But the reality is we're all kind of going through different challenges and battles and struggles. And, um, you know, I, with all the success I've had, you know, I, I've had a few, you know, things happen in my life where they've been pretty challenging over the last couple of years. And so just trying to, you know, I mean, business can bring some level of stress growing, um, you know, at this point I've, I feel like I've, you know, sometimes I'm dealing with a really tough case, right. And there's certain symptoms or, you know, there, uh, I worry about my patients. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I'll, I'll be laying in bed sometimes and I'm like, and it just kind of a bell goes off in my head and it's like, Oh, I missed that. And, you know, it's just, that's just, you know, experience and just me kind of, I guess the level of care that I provide, I don't know. Maybe I think about my patients too much. I don't think you can, but, um, you know, I, I think just the normal daily, the grind of everything, you know, balance, right? Like trying to find a good balance. I mean, do we ever find a good balance between, you know, spending time with our kids and our wives and <clears throat> our significant others and our work and, you know, but, I have noticed a huge uptick in patients, you know, uh, noticing a lot more patients and a lot of people around me with a lot more anxiety and, and depression. I think that's a, that's a topic we needed to, to talk about. You know, I always, a lot of times, you know, I have the, I have athletes that go through these major injuries, you know, they've, they've shattered a, 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 a knee or they've completely, demolished their ankle and they have to get it rebuilt. And I, I always ask them, I'm like, Hey man, how's your, how's your mental doing? <clears throat> you know, how are you doing mentally? You know, and I don't know if practitioners always ask their patients that, you know, and I, I tend to just, you know, to me, that's part of the process is like, you know, if, if one of my athletes is, you know, struggling mentally or any patient for that matter, I'm not, I'm not asking every patient how they are mentally, but I know the, what it, puts a patient what an athlete through when they're when they go through an injury having been an, an athlete myself and it can be pretty pretty rough on them right and so and when that's happening year after year 
I mean, every every off season I see guys, and they've had sometimes they've had two two or three new surgeries from the season prior. You know, and so um, I, I just think the normal. I think we all we're all kind of going through it, and we just have to all be supportive of one another. And and, uh, and and you know, if you are dealing with extreme anxiety or depression, like you know, get that get that taken care of. Like, talk to somebody or or reach out. You know, because that's that's an important that's an important topic. You know, an important thing, especially since, especially since the COVID stuff. Man, I feel like it's really shot through the roof with people. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is for me. I, being a business owner, I see a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, the reality is I'm sure it's the same for you, Brandon, that your, your mood can change up and down throughout the day. Things are going great. Then five minutes later, something comes up. And as you mentioned, you may, you know, bringing up the athletes is interesting because a lot of us may see an athlete get hurt and you're thinking, oh yeah, they tore their ACL, no biggie. But for that player, I mean, this is rehab. This is hard work to get back on the field. Maybe they're cut, you know, maybe their career's not, you know, there's that anxiety they have. And for me as a business owner, it's funny how you're laying in bed and you're thinking about your patience. You forgot to do something. I'm thinking we've had a lot of rain this season. It's raining. I'm like, it stresses <laughs> me out because as a kid, I used to love when it rained. And now as a builder, I'm like, is the house closed up or the windows all closed? Is the waterproofing right? Like, am I going to do it the leak? A flood? You know, these things go through your mind. And so again, it goes back to that preparation, right? Preparation, having a good network. You, you know, you have a great network, Brandon people you can lean on, uh, mentors, especially as you're going through tough times. I mean, it's just something we have to be aware of that, you know, that, that, that mental fortitude that, uh, can be tough at times that we all need. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I, especially as men, like, uh, you know, you're kind of taught like, you know, suck it up and, you know, especially if you're ever an athlete, right. Like, you know, my whole life I've been taught to suck it up and, and, uh, you know, like we don't really talk about those kind of things. And so, I think it's important to just, you know, kind of bring that to light and, and make sure that, you know, if people are going, you know, everyone's going through something, right? Like, um, and also I think, you know, looking at the athletes, one more comment on the athletes, like, you know, we, for, for example, the NFL, right? We, it's a, it's entertainment. We watch it on Sunday. These are high level athletes going out and, and really doing things that no one else can do, Right. They're, they're the they're the point oh one percent of the population, and we have to we have to remember that these are these are human beings, right? And they have livelihood, and they go through, you know. So when they go through these injuries like this, like you know, they could lose their job, they could get cut, you know, they could have a contract, and they could lose that, you know. So um, it's it's that's that's an important part too. And that, to me, that's just part of me being a practitioner is just caring for the patient. And I'm, I'm obviously not in here, you know, doing any psychology or any, you know, I'm not a psych, you know, psychology expert, but um, again, that just goes back to caring for your patient, right? Like getting them what they need with the appropriate specialist, or I may not always be the right solution for the patient. If, if I'm not, I'm willing to, you know, refer you to somebody else. Um, and and to me, it always and I'm sure you would attest to this too. When you have a good team of people, like you may not be the answer every time for that individual. Like you might, it takes a team a lot of times, right? And I'm okay if an athlete goes and sees another chiropractor, goes and sees you know a physical therapist. To me, I'm not a one stop shop for everybody, right? For the athlete, but but I'm gonna do, I'm gonna treat you with what I think is the best. Uh, way that that I can to get you better fast, but you know if if somebody offers something that I don't, go see them, no problem. Like, and I think a lot of people in my field get a little bit um, possessive, you know. Like, this is my client, this is my, you know. But again, like, there's a lot, there's a lot of that to go around, and you know what's best, what's best for the patient, right? Yeah, I love that you share that. Well. You've been super gracious with your time, Brandon. I can't thank you enough for so. What's upcoming and exciting that you have on your plate? Man, I just, I you know, to continue to build out my business and, and you know make ProCare kind of like uh, just one of the best uh, you know clinics and 
and uh, provide the best services that you can. Maybe add some training, uh, some recovery, and, and maybe open up a couple of, of locations around the valley. Um, and maybe who knows? Maybe you'll maybe even further than that. So we'll see. But continue just to try to grow and and uh, and get people right. I love that. So for those listening, where can they find you? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, my uh, I'm uh, my address is one four three six two North Franklin Wright Boulevard, Suite twelve thirty in Scottsdale. Uh, my Instagram is Procare underscore Sports Therapy. Um, I, I don't have a website, which you know, I it's that's pretty funny, and I, I'm sure a lot of people would laugh at that. Um, but you know, I, I just have never done one and haven't really needed one. But um, I'm sure at some point I'll get a website. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find me. Um, you know, I'm here to help, and even if you just want to call and pick my brain, I'm willing to do that too. So. Well, Brandon, you've been amazing. Can't thank you enough for making time. So I appreciate your time on the episode today. All right, Brad. Thanks for having me, buddy. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.